Welcome to the podcast for Westside at Jesus Church. We are a family of missionary disciples in West Portland who believe the church is not a religious subculture, but the making of a new humanity. It's not a building or a weekend activity, but a community of multi-ethnic, multi-generational men and women living out the light, love, and hope of Jesus to the world around us. We hope this episode encourages and empowers you to love, learn, and live the way of Jesus as we pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're all in process, becoming something. Like a potter throwing clay or an artist mixing color, our lives are being formed. Different backgrounds and experiences blemished and cracked. Each day, an opportunity to move into or out of all that God has purposed. So the question isn't if we are becoming, but rather who are we becoming? And in this family, we want to go on the journey of becoming like Jesus together. Good morning and welcome to a Jesus Church. So nice to be with you guys. We're going to just kick things off this morning by reading a passage out of Luke. So if you would read with me Luke chapter 3, starting in verse 21. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Nice to be with you guys. My name is Weston. I'm one of the pastors here. I oversee a team called... (laughs) Thanks, middle school girls. You guys are awesome. Which, by the way, if y'all don't know, there's a core middle school girls that are just killing it right now. They're just seeking Jesus with everything. And so girls, just keep doing that, following Jesus. It's amazing. Um, But hey, uh, I oversee one of the teams I oversee is called Hear the Cry. Hear the Cry is our local global justice uh, compassion story of Jesus arm of, of the church here. And we just recently had a couple teams come back, one from Scotland, one from Uganda. Um, and so many cool stories came out of that, but I'm not going to tell them today. That'll be for another time. I just wanted you to note that there's stuff going on and it's really cool. Rather today, um, we want to dive into the next. So we've just finished up a uh, vision series over the last several weeks. Um, and, and a vision series where Tim, our lead pastor, and some of our teaching team laid out a really compelling, I guess, vision. And when we say vision, what we're meaning is like a preferred future, right? If you look at what, what we would become or what we want to become or, or what that thing is that we're a part of, where it's going, that preferred future, that's what we mean when we say a, a vision for where we feel God calling us to go as a church. And as Tim laid out this beautiful language of we, we want to be uh, a King Jesus family, There's really three different dynamics of that that we laid out in in the vision series. First being presence, this idea of of being present to God's presence and present to each other. This idea of formation, constantly being open and hands open and willing and listening and learning to be formed into the image of God. And then finally, creation. This idea that we are to fill the earth and subdue it. This idea of taming the wild, as Shelby put it, practicing the discipline of dreaming with God. 
Now, if you call um, this your home, church, one that you, you attend, this is where you go, and, and you missed any of the vision series, I would just highly encourage you to go back and catch up. Because as we move forward, it's not like we're ending the vision series and then starting a new series. Rather, what we're taking with what we've talked about in our vision series, we're using it like a filter on your phone, on, on the camera on your phone. It's how we're viewing the rest of the things that we talk about through this idea of, of presence, of formation, of creation, through this idea of becoming a King Jesus family. And so I'd encourage you to go back and catch up because as we continue to talk and open up scripture and highlight different things, we're gonna be reaching back to that and it'll just make a ton more sense for you. And so it's with that foundation in mind that we move into this next series, Becoming Like Jesus. See, we're all becoming something. Each of us are being formed into something. We, we all have the same amount of time to fill. We all have 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And, and each of us get to kind of choose what we fill our days with. I've heard it said that if you really want to know what's important to you, if you really want to know what your values are, look at your calendar and your bank account. That will determine where you spend your time and where you spend your money. And you'll know, oh, this, this is what I value. And it can sometimes surprise you. But the same is true about the type of person that we are becoming. What do, you, what do you spend your time doing? Who do you spend your time hanging out with? What information do you most often allow into your mind? Don Pena said this, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. We're all being shaped constantly by what we are allowing to fill our 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Because who we choose to hang out with will eventually have an impact on how we live, on what we say, on how we dress. And most importantly, what we allow our time, what we allow ourselves to fill our time with will have an impact on our worldview and what we think about God and others. Have you ever like noticed in a crowd or in a bunch of people that, that there are, that people that hang out together dress the same? Have you ever noticed that? Like if you go to the mall or you go somewhere, it's like you see three or five or seven um, people. And I asked my middle school daughter, I was like, why is it the middle school girls only hang out in three, five or seven? And she looked at me, she's like, I can't even. <laughs> Anybody get the joke? It's a really bad dad joke. I can't even. Get it? I can't even. Two, four, six, eight is even. Three, five, seven is odd. Anyway, I figure if I explain it, it helps or makes it worse. Anyway, welcome. Good to be with you guys. Uh, but it, so, so people tend to dress the same. They tend to look the same. Or, or if you start hanging out with somebody new, you begin to say things how, how they say things or speak the way that they speak. I remember when Jamie and Crooksy first came to Westside. Jamie and Crooksy, they, we planted them out. They're leading a church in Scotland. It's amazing. They're originally from Ireland. And when they came and spent a few years with us, I remember all the cool like Scottish and Irish phrases they would say. And they were really cool. I just didn't know what they all meant. But I found myself actually saying things that I didn't know what they meant. Like, like there was this thing that happened and I like dropped this Scottish phrase on them that it was the wrong context and it was the wrong everything. And they kind of just looked at me and I was like, well, I took my shot. You know, I don't know. Anyway, just as a general rule, if you don't know what it means, don't say it. I don't, I mean, that can apply a lot of places. Anyway, um, so 
it, we tend to become and speak and say and think and dress like what we allow to fill our space and time. It's, just, it's an exchange, right? We're quickly shaped by the things we spend time with. Or to say it another way, we quickly begin to become the things that we allow to fill our time. Take a minute right now and I want you to think about who you want to become, your preferred future for yourself. That person, how you interact with your kids or grandkids, your spouse, your neighbors. Are you today doing the things that you need to be doing to get to that place? See, everybody becomes something, but a few people will do it on purpose. We are all clay being molded, like a canvas being painted. Who are we allowing to be the artist? And as you notice the bumper uh, on, the, on the video, you notice the art install coming in, this idea of pots, this idea of clay, this idea of being molded by the hands of a potter. We each are being molded. Who are we allowing to be the potter? Now, over the course of the next eight weeks, we're gonna be looking at the life of Jesus and focusing actually specifically on his priorities, on how he spent his time. Jesus held things like identity and devotion and adoration and love and faith as priorities in his life that he focused on. Now, me saying all these things, looking at your friends, I'll show you, your, all those sort of things, right? Don't hear me say not to spend time with people that don't follow Jesus and only spend time with people that do because I can tell you that that's not the answer and that's not how Jesus spent his time. What I am saying to you is let's look at the life of Jesus. How did he spend his time? And can we become more like that? Jesus spent so much of his time focused on his father, focused on what it is to be filled, then to go out and be into the world. So please don't hear me say, make sure you don't have friends that are rough. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about go and be and do, but let's go and be and do like Jesus. I mean, as a King Jesus family, we're gonna look at what Jesus valued so that we can begin to put them into practice and become more like him to, to fill our time with things that he filled his time with. In 1 John 2, 6, it says this, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked, right? First Peter says this, for to this you have been called be Christ, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so you might follow his steps. First Corinthians, this is Paul. He says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Ephesians 5 says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And then Jesus himself and John 13 says this, for I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done. These are just a few of the hundreds of times in scripture, and here's just a few more, of times in scripture where we are called, where we are compelled, where we are, where the passage speaks specifically of us becoming like Christ. And I, I ran out of time. I just, I like, all right, this is going to make the point. So I'm going to move on now. 
but it's over and over. When the Bible says something once, pay attention. If the Bible repeats it, it's very important. Recognize the pattern. And when it's done over and over and over and over and over again, that's pretty much the story of the Bible. Becoming like Jesus. What does that look like? See, we're created and called to not simply be image bearers of Jesus, but to also do Jesus things in the world. We're called and created to not just be, but also to do. To not just be, but also to do. Jesus, for example, Jesus himself was the Prince of Peace. He was called, he, that means he himself was peace, and then he also did peace things. He was and then did. For example, I'm a dad, but I also do dad things much to the chagrin of my kids, right? I'm a dad, but I also do dad things. And I, yeah, anyway, I was talking to Blakely the other day at her birthday. And I'm like, Blakely, um, I'm just gonna go ahead and embarrass you in front of all your friends because that's just what dads do. And she's like, oh, I already know that. That's fine. And I'm like, great, good work. We're on the same page. I'm a dad and I do dad things. The other day, um, the thing is though, you can also be a dad and not do dad things. I've seen that before too. You, you can be a dad and who you are. You can have children but that doesn't automatically then mean you do dad things. Or you cannot be a dad and do dad things. My eight-year-old Piper, I walked in the other day, I was just like, hey, are you guys working hard? And she said, or hardly working. And I'm like, my job is done. That's it. I'm, I'm done as a dad. You've completed, like, you've completed your training. That's amazing. Moving on. She's only eight, so I don't know what else I'm gonna do. Anyway, um, but the idea is to both be and to do. We are image bearers of God, whether you like it or not. Whether you want to be or not, every single human created was created in the image of God. We are image bearers of God, but we also have a call to then go do and go be the hands and feet of Jesus to the world. And while we're going to be spending the next several weeks looking at specific things that Jesus held as priorities, today we're actually going to start simply by looking at the person of Jesus. So if you have a Bible, turn with me back to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 3. We're going to read a little bit more in this text. Um, but as we journey through Luke in this series, we're not actually going to be able to hit everything. We're going to spend time walking through the book of Luke. We're not going to necessarily land on everything. So we've been praying as a teaching team and as a pastoral team on, on what we want to be hitting and cover on Sundays but then, um, as you came in, you should have received one of these. If you did not receive one of these, make sure to grab one on your way out. It's basically a weekly reading plan. We want to be reading scripture every day together as a crew. And so, um, for example, October 9 through 15th, it gives you a passage to read. And yes, read that same passage every single day. So we want it to be, we want to be meditating on this, allowing it to just filling our minds with things that Jesus spoke and talked about and did. So I, I'm excited excited about reading this with you guys this week. But, but as we go through this, um, we are praying that not only will Jesus reveal things to you through the Sundays, but also as we read scripture together every single day. And then there's also, we're also going to be doing weekly podcasts that go a little bit deeper on some of the subjects too, so you can be watching for that. But uh, Luke chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 16 actually. We're going to begin in verse 16. We're going to read verse 16, 17, and 18, then I'm going to jump to verse 21. John answered them all. This is John the Baptist. I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. 
His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear this threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. Jumping down to verse 21. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Now, Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph. Holy Spirit, come before us today. Move. Jesus, we want to know more of you. We want to become like you. We want to we want our hearts and our minds to be open to what it is that you would have us to know about you today. So come, Holy Spirit. You know, I, I am really excited about reading this passage with you um, every day because there's just, I don't know, there's just so many questions that come to my mind when I read this. I, I mean, what was it about Jesus that made John the Baptist say, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie? I mean, this is John the Baptist. There was something, I know for us hindsight's 2020, but think about the moment when John was baptizing and said, yeah, but the one, there's one coming who I'm not even fit to take his shoes off. What was it about Jesus that was so compelling to John? Jesus hadn't begun his ministry yet. He hadn't started doing a whole bunch of miracles and performing miracles. He hadn't done any of that. And yet there was something about Jesus. Yes, for sure, John had the Holy Spirit revealed some things about him, but yet there was still something. And, and what was it about Jesus' baptism that John could only be explained by using the word fire? Like, there's things in this passage that as we read it over and over again each week, I want us just to meditate on these ideas and these thoughts and allow the Spirit to speak to us. And also, there's just random stuff in here, like this idea of a dove. Like, for me, it's like, I, have you ever had a bird try to land on you? Like, it's not a super pleasant moment. Like, the other day, Jenny and I were walking and this pigeon took off, came ripping right at me. I don't know if he was gonna land on me or not, but I didn't want him to come anywhere close. I jumped back and dodged and Jenny's like, what's going on? I'm like, we're good, it's just a bird. You know, but that moment, I'm like, so it's kind of a weird thing. Like, wait, so like a bird landed on? Like, that doesn't make a ton of sense to me. But at the same time, the scripture says it was like a dove. So what's that mean? Anyway, all these things in here, I want us just to think and allow the Spirit just to speak to us as we go over and over again in this passage. To, to ignite curiosity and a mystery and a beauty in the scripture. Because it all is, is so specific for each of us. And the Spirit can speak to us so specifically. I think but one of the most amazing parts of this passage, though, is God the Father speaking such incredible words over his son. Now, I've heard it taught often about this moment of God the Father speaking these words over his son even before Jesus had begun his ministry. And, and I've heard it taught that, that the Father was pleased with him even before he did anything. And, and I get that. That's an amazing insight, and it's beautiful. But... Jesus was 30 years old here. He was 30, which meant he had 30 years of growing, 30 years of learning, 30 years of unpacking the scripture, 30 years of not sinning. It's not like his first 30 years were just average. And then God said, yeah, I'm proud of him. Like, oh man, he was just an average dude. No, he spent 30 years of his life 
growing, learning, being tempted, not sinning. A thousand, 30 years of the thousand little decisions of becoming, of preparing himself for ministry. We all know that ministry doesn't happen the day that you show up to start ministering to somebody, right? It happens right now. It happens daily. It happens moment by moment as you make the thousand little decisions to put Jesus first or whatever those decisions are that you're making, you are becoming something. And Jesus spent 30 years of his life becoming. I think it's easy for us to fall back on the fact that, well, he was God, so... Yes, but he was also 100% human and he experienced every temptation in the same way that we did. And yet he did not sin. In scripture, we have such little about Jesus prior to this moment. I mean, we have the story of his birth, which is pretty well documented. And then we have this moment in Luke chapter two when, when Jesus was at the temple, right, at 10 years old. And then there's this passage, this verse that says, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And then it jumps to the baptism of Jesus. So it's like 20 years of his life that we actually don't know much about. 20 years. And it's always been super interesting to me about, I have so many questions when I get to spend time with Jesus and ask him about like, what was Jesus like as a teenager? What was he like as a toddler? as a child running around and not sinning, like just throw that in. What would that have been like? I just have so many questions, it's so fun. We aren't told much. I mean, we know that Jesus uh, was born to Jewish parents, which made him Jewish. We know he was born in Bethlehem. I mean, but as far as his appearance and what he looked like, we're told very little. In fact, Isaiah says this about Jesus's appearance. He says, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. I, I love that so much because in an age that is so intensely concerned with image and obsessed with style and fashion and appearance, that when it comes to Jesus, we get to look at him, to quote Dr. King, not by the color of his skin, but by the content of his character. And today I wanna to talk a bit about who he was and the content of his character. Jonathan Edwards once said, there was an admirable conjunction of diverse excellencies in Jesus Christ. And I love this because the first time I read it, I was like, what? And then I read it again and I realized there's an admirable conjunction of diverse excellencies in Jesus Christ. Timothy Keller said this, in Jesus, we see qualities and virtues we would ordinarily consider incompatible in the same person. We would never think that they could be combined, but because they are, they are strikingly beautiful. So it's to those admirable conjunction of diverse excellencies I want to look at. In Jesus, we see a few things. In Jesus, we see high majesty and great humility. In Luke 19, Jesus descends from the Mount of Olives towards Jerusalem and the crowds lay their clothes on the ground at his feet. They're waving the palm branches. They're shouting Hosanna. And in one of the most incredible scenes in the gospel, Jesus steps into his regal, majestic position of authority and says the prophecies that you've been hearing about, the prophecies of the coming Messiah, 
I am he. In that move of riding the donkey into Jerusalem, he is saying everything that you've been knowing about about the coming Messiah and the prophecies are are fulfilled right now in me. Jesus takes his regal position of majesty and authority in that moment. And then in John 13, just a little bit before that, we see where Jesus laid aside his outer garments, taking a towel, tied it around his waist and pouring water into a a basin, he began to wash the feet of his disciples, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around his waist. We see high majesty and great humility. In Jesus, we see strong commitment to justice with astonishing mercy and grace. Now, when we think about Jesus and justice, We've gotta be thinking about a restorative justice and how many times in scripture did Jesus step into the broken parts of the world and bring shalom, bring healing, bring a restorative justice back to it. Think about the times that he healed people physically, taking what was broken and bringing it back to wholeness or the times when he would step in whether emotionally or spiritually and forgive sins and heal and bring life and hope, justice, and yet astonishing mercy and grace that he showed to those who rejected him, even to those who nailed him to the cross. In Jesus, we see self-sufficiency, yet complete trust and reliance in his father. There was not a situation or a scenario or a moment that Jesus showed up into that he did not know what to do in that moment. He handled everything that came his way. Think about the demon-possessed man when he crossed the boat and came out and this demon-possessed man came to him. He knew how to step into that. Think about the culturally tense moment of Mary, the story of Mary and Martha, and we so often focus on the wrong thing on that story. The focus of that story is that Mary was taking a place learning at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus said the place that was normally designated for men, and Jesus said, no, it's okay that she's here. It's okay that she learns from me. Culturally, yet Jesus stepped into it. Or the time when the crowds drug him out of the city to throw him off of the cliff. And yet he knew how to deal and handle and step into that situation. Of all the people who knew how to to take care of something, in a moment, Jesus was that person. Yet, in John 5, he says, the son of man can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Complete reliance on Father God. We see time and time and again, Jesus demonstrate this from being tempted in the wilderness to his prayer in the garden. In Jesus, we see unbending conviction, but complete approachability. I love this one so much. Think about the time that Jesus was in the temple overturning the money changers. It's in a lot of the gospels, but it's in Matthew 21 as well. Again, this is a story that we think Jesus just got upset because people were selling things. No, 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 no. That's not what was going on here. The money changers were taking the place in the outer courts of the temple, the place that was specifically designed for Gentiles to come and pray, for Roman soldiers to be able to come and pray if they wanted to, and the space was being filled. And Jesus said, no, my house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. And he's overturning the money changers saying, no more. The 
unbending conviction, driving them out with a whip, it says. And yet, he was also the one that attracted the little children to him. And Jesus said, let him come. We see these diverse excellencies played out in one person in such beauty and grace. Can, can you imagine what it must have been like to know this man when he walked the earth? To have a conversation with him, to hear him speak? What must it have been like for this man, this Jesus? Can you imagine if he actually spoke your name? What an incredible thing that must have been to, to physically walk with him on the earth. When Jesus walked the earth, he was, a, he was a rabbi. And as a rabbi, his role was to be a spiritual leader and a Bible teacher to the community. And as a rabbi, he would have disciples with him. It was very common in the, in the time. And the role of the disciple is really simple. The role of the disciple was threefold. You, you went where your rabbi went. You did what your rabbi did, and then you carried on their work in the world. It was, it was simple. In fact, young disciples would often, before they would, before they would go and be joined to a rabbi, young disciples would often be sent out with a blessing saying, may you be covered by the dust of your rabbi. This idea where you are so closely following that even the dust of his feet is getting on you. And the role of the rabbi was to lay out the teaching and the role of the disciple was to carry his teaching. And that set of teachings in the ancient world was called a yoke. So when Jesus said, take my yoke upon you, that's what he's talking about. Learn from me, follow me. To follow so closely and following Jesus as a rabbi, you would have seen things and watched. You'd have, seen, you'd have seen in Jesus tenderness without weakness. You'd have seen in Jesus boldness without harshness. You'd have seen in Jesus humility without uncertainty, power without insensitivity, integrity without rigidity, you would have seen in Jesus passion without prejudice. What must have that been like to follow Jesus? <laughs> My friends, the beauty of this story is that this is not a past tense wish. The beauty of the story is that right now, today, in this moment, you and I can have active relationship with this Jesus. That you and I right now today can have a conversation with this Jesus. That you and I right now today can hear him call your name today. We can, we have an opportunity, we have an invitation, we have a moment in history where we, every single one of us, can be a disciple of Jesus. And as his disciples, what are the three things? We go where he go. We do what he did. 
and we carry on his work in the world. That's what it is to be covered by the dust of our rabbi. And this Jesus that we get to have a relationship with today, this is the king we get to follow. I've heard people say before that like following Jesus is a bunch of, like they don't want to follow Jesus because it's just a bunch of list of rules. I've heard that argument. It's a privilege, an opportunity. The person that I just described, let's set aside everything that there's all the Bible verses and all the scripture that says follow Jesus. Let's set aside all of that and let's just look at the person I just described, the man, the person Jesus who's still alive today. Wouldn't you want to become more like that dude? That guy who's able to step into situations, a scenario with complete reliance on the Holy Spirit and the Father and yet step in with, with all sorts of strength and humility? I mean, that's somebody that I would want to be like. And yet we have an invitation from scripture to say, yeah, be like him. It's not a list of rules. It's a privilege to get to say, I'm going to follow this Jesus today. I want to be more like him today. I want to I go further as his disciple. I want to be covered more by his dust. What did he do? I'm going to go there. What did he say? I'm going to say that. That's what we get the privilege of doing. I'd argue that one of the primary calls of the church, of any church, is to make disciples, to train and to give opportunity to practice the ways of Jesus. Now, Barna has just recently done um, one of the largest international studies in its history to help church leaders understand teenagers around the world to understand the next coming generation. And, and the full scope of this um, isn't out yet, but they gave a few interesting statistics that came out of it. So Barna interviewed thousands of teenagers, those who follow Jesus and those who don't, all over the world. And were blown away at the three things. And the main question was, basically, what do you know about Jesus? And there were three things that they said that came to the top. Three things. One, that Jesus was real. Two, that he did miracles. And three, that he rose from the grave. It was shocking. But those were three things that were the main things that were known about Jesus. It's good info. The, the two things at the bottom, that is to say the two things that were least known, were that he's alive today and you can have a relationship with him. So, Based on that, it seems to me that we, the church of today, are content in creating communities that know things about Jesus. But it's not enough to just get information. I mean, if social media has taught us anything, we can follow anybody and think that we know anybody, and we can know really strange information about a lot of people and have zero relationship with them. And it seems to me the church of today is content with sharing information about Jesus, but not how to know him. What would it look like for us to take a step further in this? Becoming more like Jesus, it's long obedience in the same direction. It's not just a quick article that we read or a headline that we read. It's long obedience 
in one direction. It's not being perfect every time, but it's getting up and continuing to obey, continuing to follow him, continuing to become more like him. What would it look like for us in this room to together, not just think profound thoughts about Jesus, but move our experience of life into greater alignment with who he was, following that journey, to cry over the things that made Jesus cry, to laugh at the things that made him laugh, to get angry at the things that made him angry. But for us to know Jesus that closely, we have to spend time with him up close, to be in a relationship with him, to go where he goes, to do what he does, and to carry on his work in the world. But we have to begin by asking ourselves one question. This Jesus that I just have laid out, do you know him? Do you have a relationship with him? And do you want to know him more? Isn't he someone that you would want to be like? I want to take a moment and listen to um, an excerpt from a teaching by Dr. S.M. Lockridge. He gave this teaching in the early 1970s. I, I remember hearing this when I was a kid. And whenever I think about King Jesus, this comes to mind. Now, it's, it's a few minutes long. But I just want you to clear your lap. Close your eyes if it would be helpful to close your eyes. It's just an audio. There's no video. And I just want you to listen to this for a minute. The Bible says he's a king of the Jews. He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he is a lord of lords. Now that's my king. David said the heavens declare the glory of God. And the fundamentals show it his handiwork. No means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his soulless supply. No barriers can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. Well, well, he's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. And he's impartially merciful. That's my king. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself. He's august. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. Well, he's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in high criticism. He's a fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the cardinal necessity of spiritual religion. And that's my king. He's the miracle of the age. He's the superlative of everything good that you choose to call him. He's the only one able to supply all of our needs simultaneously. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He guards and he dies. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. 
He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. Do you know him? Well, my king is a key of knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. He's a master of the mighty. He's a captain of the conquerors. He's a head of the heroes. He's a leader of the legislators. He's an overseer of the overcomers. He's a governor of governors. He's a prince of princes. He's a king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. Yeah. His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Well, I wish I could describe him to you. But he, he's indescribable. He's indescribable. Yes. Yeah. He, he's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. I'm trying to tell you, the heavens of heaven cannot contain him, let alone a man explaining him. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't get him off of your hand. You can't outlive him. And you can't live without him. Well, Pharisees couldn't stand him. But they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. Yeah. He always has been. And he always will be. I'm talking about he had no predecessor. And he'll have no successor. There was nobody before him. And there'll be nobody after him. You can't impeach him. And he's not going to resign. That's my Praise the Lord. That's my Time. Time is the kingdom. And the power. And the glory, the glory is all his. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever. And when you get through with all of the forever, then amen. So I wonder, do you know him? That king, that person, and do you, do you want to know him more? And maybe when you're hearing this, maybe you're here this morning and you're like, actually, I, I, don't, I don't know him. I don't know anything about him. I want to invite you this morning to know more of him. Maybe you answered yes, like, yeah, I know him. I, I, I still want to invite you this morning to know him more. And maybe you're like, well, I, I don't really know if, I mean, I'm still like, I'm going to invite you this morning to know him more.